0: I need sports
1: to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk now.
0: Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at theRinger.com and joining me in the studio, he's all out of Bertrand Russell quotes. It's Andy Greenwald! Chin up, lads. We uh we are fresh off of England's mm. loss in the World Cup to Croatia, 2-1. How you After doing? Buddy? Time. I'm I'm okay. I, I'll want, be all
1: right. I want you to know that Zach and I have a couple extra bags of blood. It might be equine blood. <laughs> Unclear, but we can hook you up to it that if you seem need. It did
0: suspicious uh-huh. that the Croatian team was able to muster this effort mm. after, I think, back-to-back extra time games mm. and then just played another one. I don't want to... And there was a big look, scrum by that photographer, and God knows what that photographer slipped those dudes. I've been to Croatia. I know how it goes. Are
1: you familiar with the geographic and martial history of that region? I'm just saying they've endured some stuff. You know what I mean? Like they've played the long game for a while. So I don't think it's that big of a deal for them to just play three long soccer matches. To just run for 700 minutes.
0: Uh, Yeah, I was obviously, I was cheering for England.
1: Uh, They're going home. Can I, can we also just take a moment before we get into the rest of our, our day? Sure. And our agenda, just to pour a little out of this horse blood (laughs) for Justin Timberlake, who has been a fan of the English national team. For just over thirty hours now, was he really? Would he? He like I got a push alert.
0: Oh, I just occurred to me that we're recording this on Wednesday and this isn't coming out until Thursday. So, but in, a, in any, we'll probably case. figure that. Yeah, out. right.
1: I got a push alert on my cellular telephone. It was like moments you missed, and it said Justin Timberlake announces he's an England World Cup fan what? right before <laughs> playing the o2 Arena or whatever. It's like what a hero. What a hero. He is the fourth
0: lion. Why do you get push alerts about moments?
1: I don't know. I've since revisited my settings. <laughs> Luckily, I got another push alert in the form of a hungry baby. Yeah. Literally, they woke me up before right. that push alert woke me up. But yeah. So, I mean, that's a tough one. Just be like, not only am I supporting this national team, but I'm going to pause my concert so we can all just watch this glorious moment together. And so now he has to go on and play fucking Man of the Woods.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine what an L that is? Um, Andy, we were both away on Monday. Uh, We were in the other desert cities. Yeah, we were in separate desert cities. You were in Albuquerque and I was in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, I was in Las Vegas for NBA Summer League and for a ringer takeover of Caesars Palace, which was very fun.
1: Seems like a huge success. Can I ask you, mm-hmm. did you engage with any, any culture there? And I, by that, I mean, did you see any um, Cirque du Soleil shows? No. Or did you spot a slots machine that is branded from a sitcom that doesn't make any sense? No,
0: in Las Vegas, humanity really is the greatest theater. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. There was a, uh, at Caesars, there was a... This guy, Travis Pastrana, was doing a motorcycle jump. That's an extreme sports dude. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there was a lot of people there when I was leaving. He's
1: just doing the one jump.
0: There was a lot of people waiting outside of Caesars in mm-hmm. 115 degree heat.
1: To see a dude on a motorcycle jump. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there was that, uh, you know, I had a great time. Lovely time. Mm-hmm. Great time. I, went, I, I left up $90. That's huge. That's a win. Yeah.
1: How, uh, should I ask how how many dollars in total were in play for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> did, did you grow the ninety out of just a the a,
0: ninety is 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 the in the black? So right. I like we can leave it at that. Can we? Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. How was your weekend, though?
1: Things are great. I'm, I'm out there scouting. Yeah, scouting as people locations may have seen, and some news coming on the Briar Patch front. I thought we were going to get a. I thought you were going to say your name you say the name I can't say it like you say it I mean it's just all set up for you people teed it up on Twitter but you, you're low energy today a little bit so I'm I a little it. bit
0: f- sad but That's I'm ex- very excited about Rosario um, Dawson
1: yeah so I'm very excited it, I'm not announcing it it was announced yesterday um, Rosario Dawson is the star of the show that I'm writing uh, making um, it's pilot for USA called Briarpatch I couldn't be more excited she's super dope I think she's a tremendous actor and um, I'm really excited hopefully to give her a chance to do some different stuff yeah um and yeah, I was in Albuquerque scouting. And it's interesting, you know. I mean, it, it's a town I'd never been to. Um, are you familiar with New Mexican, Mexican cuisine? Yeah, so I went to
0: Santa Fe oh, yeah. last year. I think last year. It was last Valentine, maybe two years yeah. ago. And uh, it's heavy. Yeah, because- <laughs> They don't do a lot of like a light lunch.
1: No, they're, um what, what impressed me most, like this is like the real commitment to the bit, is like you get the enchiladas and they're like, okay, we're going to make it, a standard enchilada and it's quite large and they put some cheese on top and they'll throw the beans next to it and uh, you know what's on the other side of the enchilada potatoes fucking potatoes <laughs> you know what I mean they're yeah. like let's let's really lay down a base <laughs> yeah and then and then just in case you know you're feeling a little logy, like midway through the meal our server brought out a basket of hot puffed donut bread right called sopapillas and they're like and here's a squirt bottle of honey See, here's the thing about it was it was pretty amazing.
0: One thing I remember there was a the Bourdain episode we were talking about a couple weeks ago that was set in Cajun country, mm-hmm. and the guy was explaining it to Bourdain where he's like, you know, the reason why the food is constructed in this way—these mm-hmm. really, really yeah. heavy, heavy rice, just like stews and great, deep, thick gravies—is mm-hmm. because this was the meal you ate yeah. once, and then worked with your hands mm-hmm. in the field for 13 hours, like as a farmer, you you know? And that now we're like, oh, I think I'll I'll dabble in a bit of old Santa Fe cuisine. And then you get on Twitter. There's no energy expended. It's just-
1: Let me me do you one better. Let's not get on Twitter. Let's load into a poorly ventilated van with three executives, a director, two local scouts and your boy just drive around for like five to nine hours in in new yeah. mexico summer in a hundred degree heat so you know it was a memorable trip no it's it's great this is this is a very exciting time there's more stuff to announce coming soon i hope to share i want to share the information with the people but yeah. so far everything's going great i'm just curious I love, about the
0: process i'm curious um, about the process i know you can only talk about it so much yeah hit me hit me what do you No, about? i just mean like you know so when you got there yeah. right so i think one thing that people don't really understand is that um or not even maybe they do understand but you may write for a certain place, like you're mm-hmm. writing your script about yeah. a certain place, but there's a limited amount of places that can really support like television mm-hmm. shows, be it because they're right. too expensive or because they they have the infrastructure laid in. Uh, Albuquerque, obviously, is the host of several shows, most notably the Breaking Bad, better call Salt Empire, but mm-hmm. other shows shoot down there, other movies and, have and shot movies, down yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, I was curious about what it was like going someplace and knowing like this is going to be the stand in for what I saw. in my
1: Yeah, mind. it's really interesting because the show. So Briarpatch, the pilot I wrote, is set in Texas and in West Texas. Um, so the landscape is quite similar, which is great. But it is. It is, is the,
0: wait, the, is the book a, a Houston? No, no, So The interesting not. thing about
1: the, the book is that it's an unnamed town that people have assumed is uh, Oklahoma City because that's where Ross Thomas oh, was from. OK, so uh, I moved it a few clicks west, uh, more than a few. And, uh, but yeah, but it is an interesting process because the landscape and the, the climate is, is similar in a lot of ways, but you have to work with what you've got. And one of the things about New Mexico, which is there, 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 we found a lot of stuff that's going to work. And then you find like a Pueblo style house that's turquoise with a pelli on the lawn. You're like, that's a giveaway. You're going to get to shoot around that a little bit, but yeah, it is, it is an interesting process. And, and I'll continue to talk to people about this as, as interest exists, but you write a pilot, you write a script, and it is a closed document, basically. Mm-hmm. You, you can work on it for as long as you wish, and you you can tinker with it, and you can write anything you want in terms of who the what the people look like, what the places they inhabit look like, what it feels like. Um, and then, if you are lucky enough to get it to this stage, the document opens up again, and it becomes a living organism. Yeah, right. And it has to connect and other people have to connect to it, and then other people have to work on it and get their hands in it and mess around with it. And all of a sudden, that perfectly scripted scene that you wrote set in a, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to throw out an example because I don't want to give anything away, but Suffice to say that the exact... Does it build, involve
0: an infinity stone, dude? It, well, no. Well,
1: luckily, they've all been collected in one place. <laughs> it, it's In that, Albuquerque. In yeah. Albuquerque. You'd be surprised. It, it's that the place you imagine specifically yeah. doesn't exist. And so then what? So then I think generally when you bring other people into something, it becomes more alive and becomes better. But it's been really fun and really fascinating to see something that had been fixed for so long suddenly become super fluid. And... uh I'm excited to get back.
0: I mean, we've been talking on the pod, I think, more so in the last year, or year and a half, about expectations. Mm-hmm. I think because of the nature of the way that things get built up in our heads. And then we get the final product and we're sort of like, oh, did this live up to or fall short of what our expectations were? Was the hype cycle too much for it? And I was thinking about this in terms of a couple of pieces of casting news that I wanted to, to run by you.
1: Is it th- Rosario th- Dawson?
0: Well, no, but... <laughs> I was wondering also, I imagine that there's also yeah. an element of that in your head where like there is like this creative process where you're sitting in front of final draft and you're like j- jumps through the time, loop, yeah. you know, and then you're just like, okay, now I have to make a time hoop. That's weird. Like, yeah. this is like, and you can kind of see why these super expensive productions just are like, we're just going to go to Pinewood and just build this shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you see Star Wars, and they're just like, "We're just taking over three sound stages, and everything you see, we're gonna have a team of experts just construct out of whole cloth." It's pretty interesting. But yeah, I was, I, I think for especially for something like Thomas, that's so atmospheric and so rooted mm-hmm. in a place. I was imagining that that would be like the thing that would be the first, like, "Oh, okay, we got to figure this out." The best thing so far
1: is. To have a fixed idea for a location in my mind, as I did for one particular place, and then you're taken to you're taken to see something and
0: it exceeds in Albuquerque,
1: and it makes no sense mm-hmm. in any level. Why is this building exist? What was this building? What's it doing now? There's no place for this in anything I've ever written, unless you suddenly you, you you sort of squint and you look a little bit sideways and you think this could be so much more exciting if this was it.
0: And you're like interior Doctor Strange's salon
1: Wong. <laughs> removes the time hoop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Prepare yourself, Steven. It's
1: time for the hoop. Um, no, but the same thing with, with the Rosario news. I, I cannot believe that we got someone as talented as, and exciting as her involved, and it makes every part She's of, a legend, man. I, she's a total legend, and I am, like, I just feel like it makes everything that I could hope to do better. That's awesome. Storytelling-wise, and even within this. Rosario
0: awesome. is not the only news, so let's just talk about a few things. Yeah. One was- uh. We, we just talked about this, so I wanted to talk about Why the Last Man on FX. Yeah, effects. moving
1: forward. Because it's really happening. Because we brought
0: this up in our what's going to be the next Game of Thrones, and this was your yeah. nomination. It was. Uh, and they just did some casting news.
1: Yes. So they basically did one of those big, big info dumps and said all of the major roles all at once. And what was interesting about this was there are a couple ways it could have gone. Why The Last Man, for people who don't know, it's a a 60-issue comic book series published by Vertigo um, a decade ago, written by Brian K. Vaughn, who also created Runaways um, and Saga, and the artist Pia Guerra. And it's about a guy named Yorick who appears to be the last man left alive after something wipes out every other man. You would, one might think, knowing the comic book, that the casting of Yorick would be the focus Mm -hmm. in getting a big star, a big name, to move the ball forward, which is not always the best route, but that's what I assumed. In fact, they've gone the opposite direction. And um, the headliner is Diane Lane playing a senator who is the character of York's, the character's mom. Okay. And also Imogen Poots who's been in a bunch of stuff playing his sister. She's great. Um, This is a terrific cast. What's interesting to me is... She's
0: particularly good in Green Room if you haven't seen that.
1: You know I haven't seen that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for calling me out. Um, You're going to make me say his last name? This is like, it's hard for me. I think
0: it's Barry Keegan. Barry Keegan. I, th- I think so. Let's just go with that. That sounds great. Yeah.
1: I mean, we couldn't get Kieran Hines for like four years. So I feel like <laughs> we, there's no way we get it right. In the it might be Keegan.
0: It might be like a variety. Of, but, but I'm going to I'll go. I'll go with that.
1: FX landed Barry Keegan to play York Brown. Now, this is not a headlining name, uh-huh. but this is a fascinating.
0: Yeah. He was in Killing of a Sacred Deer. He was in Dunkirk. He, 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 lost, he lost his vision yeah. in
1: Dunkirk and then, and then lost quite a bit more. Yes. All for, to bring the boys home. Um, fascinating actor who has made a lot of uh, exciting choices and is clearly, clearly beloved by worthwhile filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And to get someone like that to play this part, I think is a coup for FX, but it's not the kind of coup, it's not like a headlining coup, but it's, a, it's just a smart, it's, smart. it's a smart Who's writing a show? in talent. So Michael Green, who, he's um, written, like everything. Has written everything recently. Yeah. Uh, Logan, um, the Co- last Blade Runner movie.
0: Covenant, I think.
1: Yeah. Worked on Covenant, um, did American Gods. Um, with Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. is, I think he'd written the pilot years ago and he's co-show running with uh, Aida Meshaka Kroll, who's worked on Luke Cage. Um, and it's also coming from Nina Jacobson and Brad Simpson who do Color Force. They work with Ryan Murphy on the American Crime Story shows and on Pose. Mm-hmm. It's just a deep bench. And I think it's a smart casting play. They also cast Lashana Lynch, um, who is going to be a bigger name after Captain Marvel comes out. Um, Juliana Canfield, who's credit listed as Succession. I actually don't know who she plays on Succession, really but good. it's relevant to the rest of our uh, rest of our gig. And also, Marin Ireland, whom I love. Love her. Real standout from Chris's, I believe, ninth best show of 2017, Sneaky Pete. Um, I think they're doing this the right way. I think that this is a show that's being put together not with the goal of being a Game of Thrones necessarily, at least in terms of the fireworks that's leading to its arrival. Sure. But... Look at Game of Thrones. They cast, they just cast well. And that did not get the attention it deserved at the time because a lot of these people were unknowns and they were, they were kids who were going to grow into these characters. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I am still excited about the show. That, Speaking that, of that's which, my did you see that,
0: uh, that Maisie Williams, she she wrapped on Thrones? Yeah, they wrapped her. They wrapped yeah. her out. She, I, yeah, and she, that people were worried that, that she had posted a spoiler. Oh, because she, like as if she was wrapped out of existence? No, more like she was like, I got this.
1: I have a question. I'm gonna put you on the spot for it.
0: Right. You can't have a spoiler if you don't know it and so I'm just we're speculating.
1: When did the last Game of Thrones season finale air?
0: Last not this past NBA finals, but the previous one. During the during the NBA playoffs or finals.
1: So of twenty seventeen. Right? I have no idea. I was legitimately asking you. You it could have told August? me it was,
0: it was It was August Zach? July sixteenth is when it started.
1: It was seven weeks. Wow. I don't it feels like a billion years ago, and there's just going to be six more two hours each about something like that. Just so it's just going to be six weeks of movies watching the show. That is, we haven't talked. You know, we, we'll, we'll continue to dip in and out, but that in and of itself is kind of radical. I mean, there has not been. Everyone knows how much I like to complain about episode length, um, which is one million percent going to bite me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if I get to make episodes on television, but. The, of all the things that Game of Thrones has asked us to do and change the way we watch TV, getting people to buckle up for just six weeks of collective blockbusters is pretty unprecedented. Yeah, absolutely. That that is going to be dominant and all encompassing in a way that I didn't even appreciate just for the sheer not just the the budget and the story, but for the the length of time and commitment. It's exciting, but it's very it it'll, it'll
0: definitely pose like a challenge also to the culture around. And I'm you know I'm. I'm sure the binge guys are already thinking about this in terms of how you process Mm -hmm. that length. I mean, even I think at this point, people are probably a little bit more adept at that stuff. I mean, the average succession, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, is like an hour and five. So it's like I think the episode length is kind of just tipping more and more into longer and longer episodes. But yeah, two hours of Game of Thrones every Sunday is going to be like a lot to process, especially for something as dense. And each random line could have like this huge ripple effect through the history and future of the show.
1: Well, also as we learned from covering it live after each episode last year, I mean, it's not as if there are bottle episodes. Yeah, it's not as if there's an hour of Jon Snow just chatting about stuff. Much to my chagrin, moving a story forward. There are. It's basically a collection of. I don't even know how many scenes per episode, but six to eight major storylines being advanced incrementally. Right. And I, there were many times last year when we would go live and I wouldn't, I would have to be reminded what happened in the first oh, 11 that was, minutes. That's,
0: a, that's actually been the biggest challenge of doing those shows is forgetting things that happen within the episode itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. right? I yes. mean, it, it, it's just a, it'll be an interesting test um, of the rapid response culture sure. system that Absolutely. we have in place for this country. Um what what other hot news do we have out there? In well, the this
0: moment? one's a little bit more of a, like a niche, but I think it's our niche, so we I, have to mention it. L- let's cozy uh, up in it. In Net- Netflix is going to release a movie in 2019 called In the Shadow of the Moon.
1: Oh, it's a movie? Yeah. Oh, Netflix I thought this movie. was a and series. And I'm, I'm
0: already excited for this because I'm really into Jim Mickle. Uh, Jim Mickle did um, Cold in July, but he also directed and worked on uh, Happen Leonard, which was an underrated show that's been it's on for very a couple, underrated years, couple seasons. Michael K. Williams. And uh, now they've got the, he's got this movie In the Shadow of the Moon and it stars Boyd Holbrook That's your man. as a Philly police detective hunting a serial killer, played by Michael C. Hall. Every so often you incept something.
1: You know, I it really gets weird believe when that. that
0: happens though.
1: Like, are you have they reached out to you yet? Because you have a good relationship with Netflix. Have they reached out to you yet just to ask you to be on set? To, to be like a, an ambassador, a brand ambassador? Not, like a dialect coach, kind of a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a tasty cake. I don't think
0: anybody should hire me to help them pronounce anything.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. But like, don't you think that before he shows up on set, like he just needs to watch the, like, there's that news van again commercial on YouTube. <laughs> yes. The dude with a diamond in his beard. Johan! Like, like yeah. yeah, like he needs, yeah, because let me tell you something. It's a landmine. It is a landmine asking the someone accent? to be from Philadelphia. I think
0: you just stay away. That is usually what what happens, They're right? Just duck it. Do you yeah. remember? Um, that would be really great if Michael C. Hall went like full Philly. Yeah, I, I'm a serial killer. I, what are you doing? Wait. <laughs> Hold on a Yo, second. Yeah, you see the last season of Dexter? Michael C. Hall just John did a Lichke show. John Lithgow was in it.
1: <laughs> You're getting there. <laughs> Michael C. Hall just did a show on Netflix that we 1,000% ignored mm-hmm. called Safe, where I believe he's just English in it. And like that is next level acting when you just show up on set and you're just like, no, I'm stunting. Like, I'm going to do this here. You don't have to do it, man. Even if you've set the show in London, they, how hard is it for a writer to be like, he moved from New York? It doesn't matter, right? You don't have to do it. Right. It is usually an unforced error. And that's why I have an enormous amount of respect. What was it? First season of House of Cards? When Corey Stoll was on House of Cards? It was first season. Oh, yeah. And he's a, you know, he, he has the, one of, if not the juiciest role. He's a Philly one. congressman, right? And he's a Philly congressman. And you know what he didn't do? A Philly accent. Try. Yeah. Like, didn't even try. And then when they show him going back to his district, yeah. and everybody's just kind of vaguely mid-Atlantic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they shot it in Baltimore, probably, yeah. right? They shot it in Baltimore. But Baltimore accents, very close. The Baltimore they accent. They're in the
0: same, the Delaware-Baltimore-Philly accent is in the same mix. Do,
1: do you, and the reason being. I didn't know this. The ports of Baltimore and Philadelphia, the same British what sailors you, David showed Simon? up and they said, where have you guys just come from? And they're like, we were sailing on the water. There was so much water. Get the river. Get in the shore. There's the ocean. I was on the ocean in the water. And then the rest of the country is like, how people
0: sounded in like the colonial <laughs> days when they were just on the water.
1: They were. Listen, it took a long time. Do you understand?
0: Yeah, and you hear about these these up in Boston you just put all the tea in the water. The tea's in the water.
1: <laughs> Come Have on, Torty.
0: All right. This is this is uh, disgraceful for Philadelphia for you and I.
1: Liegels. Um we are, we are, are you saying we're better than this? Because let me just report right now, we
0: are not. Did you want to say uh, so we're gonna table glow? So here's what we're gonna do. You know, like last week, I think we promised to do a chapter watch of glow, right? We were gonna do three episodes, three episodes, yeah. three episodes. I have to tell you something. Oh no! I had planned to catch up on a lot of television in Las Vegas. What? And then I went to Las Vegas. (laughs) Had you never? Did they not tell you where you were going? No, I knew. I mean, like, I just thought, like, you know, it's like I'll go be back in bed. It's gonna be like midnight. I'll fire up a couple episodes. Just just cozy up. It wasn't midnight. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Is that that what you're telling me?
0: Yeah. So I'm a little behind on Glow. So we're gonna table Glow till next week. Also. Uh, Sharp Objects obviously came out uh, last Sunday. We're going to get to it next Monday after we've seen two episodes. People are obviously talking about it. And yeah. There's a lot to say about it.
1: Yeah, and I think that for a show like this that is so dependent on on tone, mm-hmm. I want to see another episode. Yes, right. I wa- Because I think that a, a pilots, it, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and I'm saying this mindful of the fact that I'm trying to make one. There's pilot fatigue, and it's difficult to sustain any kind of mood. Um, for more than one episode, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to gauge one's relationship to a show at this point. Now that they're all being built for longer runs, I would and say to you, yeah,
0: and to anyone, yeah. I've not watched more than one episode of Sharp Objects, mm-hmm. but I'm in. I'm on team. Give stuff a chance now. Wow! Because shows get better sometimes, and I think you agree with me because of the show we're about to talk about next.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that we should be more patient because I got to tell you, Chris. And I'm sorry to all the Sharp Object fans that we are yada yaddying a major show of 2018. We yeah. are going to give it its due on, attention on, on Monday. On Monday. Yeah. I can't believe the 180 I've pulled. Here. I know. I know. didn't think. I'm, I'm I, so
0: excited. I didn't think I still had one in me. Let's let's and, we'll take a break from our sponsors and then we're going to let you. We're going to let, let 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 you just ride around the track a couple times. Okay. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by HBO's Sharp Objects. When a young girl disappears from rural Wind Gap, Missouri, reporter Camille Praker is sent to investigate whether the case is linked to an unsolved murder. From the author of Gone Girl, the producer of Get Out, and the director of Big Little Lies, comes the HBO limited series Sharp Objects, based on the best-selling novel by Gillian Flynn. Amy Adams stars as reporter Camille Praker, whose proximity to the investigation chilly mother and mysterious half-sister bring her own scars to the surface. Hailed as a top-of-the-line detective story and truly twisted by Variety, Sharp Objects also features Patricia Clarkson, Chris Messina, and Eliza Scanlon. Watch new episodes every Sunday at 9 p.m. and catch up on the latest episodes on HBO Now. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by Gillette. Andy, I don't know if you know this about me, but it's a little bit of an effort for your boy to produce facial hair. I've often wondered if I could get away with a mustache.
1: Could you get to the point of getting away with it? That's my real question.
0: That's the thing, but it's not like I don't need to shave. I shave two or three times a week, and since it's two or three times a week, some some people shave every morning, Mm -hmm. some people shave whenever. I'm shaving right now. Uh, I treat shaving... Like, some people might treat bath time, you know? I, like, light a candle. Wow. Some scents going, but uh-huh. I always have my Gillette razor. There it is. I go for clean-shaven precisely because your boy cannot get the, the goatee going. I figure by the time I get the goatee in, they might be back in style. What do you think? I think you should just go for the Van Dyke. Well, Ethan Hawk Reality Bites. Oh, that's always classy. Personally, I use the Gillette Mach 3. I always have, um, and I use the gel because I you know the cream is good but I like the gel it feels a little smoother. Mm. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy regardless of his personal style, skin needs or budget and whether you want 3 blades or 5, the Gillette 3 and 5 razors have you covered. All under $10, that's high performance at a low price. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door and find Gillette 5 at gilletteondemand.com. Subscribe today. All right, we are back, Andy. Yeah. You've really turned about on this show. Like I was in and you you were just like do I need do we need a show like I, this? Do I like these people? I was a bear transformed into a beautiful bull. Yeah. You're like Jim Cramer. You're bye bye bye. I
1: <laughs> It's not just that I was I don't even think I had strong reactions to the first 3 episodes. You know, I, I as we learned, we the collective people who listen to me talk about this stuff. One of the lessons of my 180 on the leftovers, which was obviously slower building, mm-hmm. was I really, really, really had strong feelings about that. Yeah, so show. It, it elicited something. It elicited something strong, and hatred is just another way to keep things close to you. Succession was not doing any of that for me. I, I found it strangely flat at times, mm-hmm. and also. I thought it was a little bit presumptuous. I had the feeling that it was assuming a relationship with me in the audience that it hadn't earned.
0: How dare you, sir?
1: An investment in this family, in these characters, in this world that I just couldn't quite repay. Mm-hmm. Or I, I didn't think it was... I, I couldn't I couldn't buy all the way in. Something changed for me in the... Is it the fifth episode, I believe? That That's we just the one watched.
0: where Greg drives you in from Canada.
1: Yes. Now, maybe it's the presence... Of character actor legend. Cromwell? James Cromwell. Uh Being driven in a car for 12 hours listening to an economics podcast. Um, Maybe it was just that I really respected uh, the show's commitment to cherry picking the spiciest moments. Meaning, let's just get to Thanksgiving. Because of course Thanksgiving would be a powder keg. It is often in families who don't. Own it's the second of dinner of, of the season,
0: though. It's, it's because the first season, the first episode also opens with a big dinner, right? Yeah. So, like, it shows the, the the growth of the show for you. You throw Cromwell in it,
1: it helps a lot. Um, but there is also just a little bit more of a freewheeling sense of fun for me, which I think the show made clear that it was interested in doing. But it was all, in the first few episodes, it hadn't quite earned it with me. You know, mm-hmm. it, it felt smug in the way that we are all supposed to sort of love and be appalled by Roman, Kieran Culkin's character. It, it, I just felt it was presumptuous, but maybe that's confidence that I misread. I think it's because, calibration, man. I think that it, they, yeah. these
0: shows are not all, I, I don't think that they all go into a vacuum and just never adjust anything over the course of a of a, of a One production. million percent now. And you can see that in Roman's, Taking down a, just like a little bit of spice. Mm-hmm. It's just like they removed a little bit of spice from Kieran Culkin's performance. He still is withering and self-serving and self-centered. Yeah, he was
1: Thai spicy the first two yeah, episodes. Yeah, he was like, like I'm strong... trying to win
0: every scene every time I step on mm-hmm. in the camera. And now now he's just like I know exactly what I'm doing. I think that there was a real collision between a kind of deep sense of humor of where the characters have a level of self-awareness about. The scenario, if not themselves, Mm -hmm. that they're constantly kind of saying things to each other that you don't really think people in that position would say. And in Veep, they fully commit to that beat Mm -hmm. bit. And in this show, I felt like it was colliding with the soap operatic stuff, sort of the more of the family intrigue stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's all smoothed out. I've I've really enjoyed this show from the beginning. I love this show now. I think it's kind of almost approaching belt territory. I, I don't know if there's a more confident show on TV right now, a show that knows more of what it is, and a show that is so ceaselessly entertaining to me.
1: Yeah, I I was I felt it awakening inside of me in episode five, and then surprised myself further by just immediately firing up. Six Mm -hmm. and felt deeply rewarded by it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: When's the last time you felt that way? Let's run it back. Let's go right again with a new one. It's Um, it's been a while, right?
1: It's been a minute, and and, and it's building in an in a fun and exciting way. Obviously, with a disastrous vote of no confidence that played out in this week's episode. Right. Um, I think we need to steer the praise in a couple directions. Yes. Just one quick one quick plaudit I want to give to um terrific consistent underappreciated character actress, J. Smith Cameron, mm-hmm. who plays the role Jerry. of Jerry, who's the head of legal for the company. Some of you might remember her from her tremendous performance across all the seasons of Rectify. You also might know her as Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning, maybe?
0: Kenneth Lonergan, yeah.
1: Filmmaker, player, at Kenneth Lonergan's Better Half. She's just so it's just these little things that make a difference when you cast someone like her who is, if you saw the words that she was given on the page, I don't think, and you had never seen the show, I don't think you would even notice them. Mm -hmm. I think that they generally move the ball forward and they, you know, at best, deliver some nice dialogue dimes to the stars of the Mm -hmm. show. She brings this jittery, vulnerable, steely, unique energy to it that keeps it going. And I, and similarly, I don't know when this happened, Chris. But sometime in the last two weeks, I have become a dedicated Tom and Shiv shipper. <laughs> I love that story. I love those two. I the prenup
0: discussion is like among the funnier things I've seen this year.
1: First of all, let's just say these actors' names. Let's say their names. Sure. Matthew McFadden. And uh, Sarah Snook. First of all, let's throw off the curtain and let people in on the degree of difficulty here. Neither American... One British, one Australian, slaughtering the accent game. Yes, murdering it. Incredible. The, the work.
0: Minnesota, like to New York accent yeah. that uh, McFadden's doing right now is really something. He's like, I'm Minnesota nice, but I'm also just like, <laughs> I'm gonna skull fuck you. <laughs> there is an
1: intensity to both of their performances. Again, like this is this is a credit to Jesse Armstrong, uh, who is running the show, and uh, Adam McKay, and all the people involved that they calibrated this or recalibrated this well. Because you're right, like they're they're all bubbling now on very exciting frequencies, mm-hmm. right? And temperatures. I, I don't even know which metaphor I want to use, but I love their relationship. I love the way the show allows them to be genuinely affectionate towards each other. Sure. And also completely using each manipulating other. Manipulating one another. Manipulating yeah. one another in ways that because of the way the rest of the world works around them, almost feels comforting. Sure. It's, now we need to talk about
0: your MVP. Yeah, man, it's Nicholas Braun playing Greg Hirsch. Because this guy should not, I I don't usually like the audience avatar character. I don't like the person who's like, I'm just getting, I'm stepping into this crazy world the same way you are. Seems like you don't like ladies here in Gilead. Nope. Yeah, This is not how it's going, man. Like, Cousin Greg is really, really, really one of the finds of the season. And uh, him doing the shredding and listening to rap and being like, Greg is chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. <laughs> while he's like, he, what does he say? Where he's just like, he was talking to, he's like, Tom, I don't know, this seems like some Watergate shit. I don't really know what happened there, but I know those guys got fucked. <laughs> and then his line is just like, it's like, I know that it, like, I don't, wouldn't want to be a cow because they get like shot in the head with an air gun. <laughs>
1: There's, they're, but they're not over-tipping it, you know? I think that that's... I I think it that seems that's,
0: like it, would, it kind of has become like, oh yeah, this guy would just be around.
1: Yeah, and, and the dynamic of him and Tom is really well articulated because the person who is a doormat at family dinner can become an apex predator... When in the presence of this human plankton and the scene where Tom teaches Greg how to be rich and the pleasures of being rich leading to what I I think, you know, you were mentioning Veep, them dancing alone in the VIP bottle service section. And Greg's like, so you just sit here and drink by yourself. And he's like, isn't it great? That's them letting the doors open a little bit. That's the Veep stuff that I now appreciate the calibration of because it could not just be that. And we keep saying Veep. I mean, Jesse Armstrong, who is who co-created or created the show and is running the show, comes from the Armando Iannucci. Yeah, worked on the think of it. Yeah. So that's there, um, but articulating it over the long haul is a challenge. I'm enjoying it, and I and I, I just didn't know where that came from. So so, bring me in, and by extension, bring in the pod family now. What's what's the chatter? What's the goss? Like what? What are people saying about Succession? What's the line of conversation around I think around that there was the a lot
0: of confidence about this show going into the season. That was why I had heard is that HBO and mm-hmm. that other people who had seen several episodes were very into it. And then, then they renewed it quite quickly. I think that there quickly. was some resentment. There was an initial wave of not so into this show from critics. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I don't really know why I would keep watching this show, et cetera. And I think that you articulated something a couple weeks ago, which was, given the state of the world right now, it's hard to lionize these people who are just so ceaselessly uh, self-serving and destructive. And I get that. But I think that it is one of the few shows that I have watched that is both intellectually stimulating while also not making me want to carve a hole in my head because it's so depressing to be watching. And uh, that's not like a shot at Handmaid's Tale, but it is a shot at Handmaid's Tale. And, um, man, it's not like I'm lionizing these characters, but I do think that there's a lot going on under the surface, especially in the performances, as we've alluded to. And at the center of it, actually emerging slowly, too, and I think at a a proper pace, is the dynamic between Brian Cox and Jeremy Strong. Which is terrific. And the Kendall relationship to his father. And the Kendall-Logan relationship. And Jeremy Strong I, I, I is very divisive. His performance has been very divisive in a way that I don't quite think I've seen, gosh, since uh, maybe Groff on Mindhunter. It's you know a, what I mean? Like, it's, I think that's right. I think they're in,
1: both extremely unique lead performances. Yes.
0: And I think you keep waiting for Kendall to be a certain kind of person, and I'm sure he will check some of the boxes that people are waiting for him to check. But there is so many different things from this sort of hilarious guy who's like, I need some altitude on this mm-hmm. and, you know, like screwing up his company by going into business with Stewie and making wrong moves and like even the way he tries to like power move on Ewan mm-hmm. and then he spends that whole elevator ride back up and watching oh, him dying. and being like, yeah. you're going to expose me is he just such such a great job and even the things like the having the, um, like his the, his relationship with his son and his ex-wife mm-hmm. And their relationship to Logan and everything is complicated. It's really nuanced. It's not just straight up like, here's a bad guy who wants to be good, or here's a good guy who's doing bad. It's like this weird, like, here's a guy who's butting his head up against the limits of his own intelligence.
1: And the show is has, this is not a surprise with Adam McKay behind it, the show is certainly not afraid of suggesting that you need to be a complete fuck-up, lunatic, single-minded weirdo to even tread water in this world. Yes. This world that probably shouldn't necessarily exist anyway. The last thing I'll say about it is this. if the it's, There's a lot of risk involved with making a show about Goliath instead of David, mm-hmm. but if you are going to make a show about Goliath, take Goliath-sized swings. And a show that in the sixth episode of its first season can completely upend the recently established status quo as it did with the board vote of No Confidence yeah. and Logan's roaring back um, and just decimation of the board and family all in one fell swoop is exactly what you want if you're going to be investing capital yeah. in this show. I want a show that it can do something like that and then try to s- scrabble its way back to status quo or a new status quo. Yeah. Um, I would rather that than seeing them play around tiki-tak stuff on the margins of like working together to s- salvage the family name because what value is any of it? Mm-hmm. I hope that we'll be able to have and I think we probably will be able to have someone like like Jesse in to talk about this because the other aspect of appreciation that I'm gaining is the conversations they must have had ahead of time of how to how to balance this, where to pinpoint where they wanted to start, where they wanted to get to and how not to tip too far in any direction. Mm -hmm. And so now I begin to think of what I thought of as um, presumptuousness or reticence or whatever in the first few episodes was calculation. Um, and that's the sort of thing that you might miss if you,
0: I felt you like what they were doing early. in the beginning was the equivalent of having an early season. You have like a big rotation of guys playing on a basketball team. So you're playing 10 people. Do so you just want to see what they, what the combinations look like? You want to see how certain people respond in different scenes and in different, you know, is this person comic relief? Is this person, can this person carry a dramatic moment? How do we use somebody like Brian Cox, who obviously has a huge on-screen presence, but we're going to limit him and his ability to communicate throughout most of the first season? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you come there expecting to find this, you know, this wizard, because that's who this guy's set up to be, this Murdochian kind of, Patriarch, And he's crippled, you know, mm-hmm. literally crippled. So it, it's been a, a series of very interesting choices. And now I think as we get further and further into the season, you see them shortening the bench. And I think that they're deploying people. Alan Ruck comes in, does his bit you're not going to have Alan Ruck really run another episode aside from the the dinner scene, the dinner episode, you I know? love Alan Ruck. I love Alan Ruck too. But like that character is very good for five minutes an episode. Yeah. You know, it's not like you don't want him making major decisions. And the same thing goes. It's like ultimately at the end of the day, I think it's it's the Shiv Roman Kendall trio with Logan and Marsha kind of fighting each other with Tom and and... And Greg your boy? providing yeah. a lot of comic relief on the sides. They're like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern.
1: I, before we move
0: on, I all have right, to ask. really I, what comic relief means, but go ahead.
1: I just, <laughs> have you ever read Shakespeare, bro? <laughs> uh, when I arrived here today to watch England's dreams <laughs> crash and burn sure. all around him, um, there was some chatter going on when I got there. And uh, Jeff Chow, who I believe is the president of the, of, yes, of the company. Yes, he Yeah. Turned to me, he he was rooting for England, but he took his eyes off the ball for a moment. Uh Much like England's defenders did (laughs) on that second goal by Croatia. And he wondered if there was some Tom and cousin Greg to our relationship. Now-
0: I'm definitely Greg.
1: Yeah, but I want to know how
0: you feel about that and why you think he said that. I'm all good with it. I think because you and I are both like, (laughs) you're definitely Tom because you got bits. Don't you think I'm
1: Tom because I would- eat the bird underneath the napkin
0: (laughs) before you did? And then I would also, I'm the kind of guy who would give an old man a a 12-hour ride from Canada. I think you actually would do that. Yeah.
1: What would you throw on the stereo before you found Planet Money or whatever?
0: I don't know. Like disintegration loops or something? (laughs) would, Would
1: you... And what hour would you give up making small talk? Because I feel like you are an engaging. Guy. I actually
0: wouldn't. I don't press. Like if somebody wants to talk, we can talk. I yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make the small talk though. I wouldn't ask questions. In fact, if somebody was like, I don't want to talk, I would just be like, Cool. We can just listen to like Fred the entire time.
1: So like at some point in late August, when you get a call from me in Albuquerque, and I'm like, Can you come by the production office? There's just some stuff in accounting. I just need someone to look at. <laughs> Like, would you mind? Rosario knows about it. It's cool. Uh-huh. Would you get in the car? Because also, I, I did Google this when right, I Googled this right after the flight, the very bumpy flight landed. I was just like, how, just out of curiosity, could I, could I hop in the old the old hybrid and get oh, over bit? How, how far? It's about an 11 and a half hour drive. Yeah. So it's comparable. Would you do it? Would you come chop it up? Would drive
0: you from Albuquerque to no, 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 Los there. Angeles? I'm
1: saying, would you dr- get in your car and drive to me to do an unknown task? in the production office just to help me out.
0: What, like, am I trying to get somewhere in my life or is this just, like, a friend thing?
1: Well, I'm just trying to test the limits of our Tom and Gregness. I feel like this is a whole new area for us to really uh, nail down. I'd do it for you. That's I would so do it nice. For you. Yeah, I would do it for you. Even if it was some real Watergate-level shit.
0: Yeah, would you, if I was, like, if I had called you at, like, 3 a.m. Yeah. from Vegas and I was like, I need some help.
1: <laughs> I'm on Do Not Disturb, bro. Like... <laughs> The only things I wait for at that hour are the... See, cro- listen, Tom?
0: Greg? The only things I accept
1: at that hour call uh, cries from my children or push alerts from Twitter letting me know about Justin Timberlake's World Cup fan. And
0: with that, we end another episode of The Watch. If we we're a little bit drowsy, it's just because it's 106 degrees in this studio right now. Um, shout out to Zach back. We will be back on Monday to talk sharp objects and glow. Uh, everybody have a nice weekend. Go France. Great
1: job, Croatia! But let's go France.
0: Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by Gillette. Whenever I shave, I shave with Gillette. I love my Mach 3 razor. I love my Gillette gel uh, shaving cream. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. And whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and 5 razors have you covered all under $10. That's high performance at a low price. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door and find the Gillette 5 at GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by HBO's Sharp Objects from the author of Gone Girl, the producer of Get Out and the director of Big Little Lies comes the HBO limited series Sharp Objects. Amy Adams stars as Camille, a reporter who returns to her hometown to investigate the murders of two young girls. The Grizzly case soon brings Camille's own scars to the surface. Hailed as a top of the line detective story by Variety, watch new episodes of Sharp Objects Sundays at 9 p.m. and catch up now on HBO Now.